0: Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Amen. All right, take your seats, family. It's good to see all of you here this fine morning. Um, I had the privilege of sharing the Word, and I'm feeling really on fire right now. Uh, In a tangible way. um, Who here this morning just like radically experienced the presence of God? Um, I don't know about you, but it's just, it's on me right now, and I'm not sure how this is gonna go. So let's have some fun. Um, Before we get into it, there's this, this, okay. 2020 has felt like five years in one. Can I get an amen? Um, It's felt really interesting. I realized that um, what happened in March was this year, and I thought it was a couple years ago. But um, earlier this year, I was in New Zealand, and um, a bunch of people around us were prophesying about tidal waves, and me and Vanessa were having dreams about tidal waves, and uh, all this, like, interesting prophetic imagery around tidal waves. This isn't my message, but I just want to speak this over us uh, before we move forward. And, And there was one moment of our trip in New Zealand where we're sitting in our airbnb and we start hearing this siren And our heart started beating. I said, "Vanessa, get packing," because I literally thought we, we had a tsunami warning happening, and um, it's like a quick little scare. Uh, but it turns out the small town we were staying in—they um, would alert like emergency services if there was any issues or anyone had had an accident with this siren. So, but I—I I took it as like it was a sign and a wonder to get us alert, uh, to make us alert and aware to this prophetic imagery that uh, there was like this thread running through our trip in New Zealand. Also, earlier in the year in America. I was in America this year as well. It's so crazy. It's a weird year. Um, and then this week, Wednesday night, I have this dream. Has anyone here seen the, it's an old movie called Poseidon? It's about a cruise ship and a tidal wave. And Okay, kind of like that, but uh, yeah. I had this dream, and I'm in this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful cruise ship. It's like state-of-the-art. Like, I mean, I've been on a cruise before. Has anyone here been in a cruise? It's beautiful. It's like free drinks, free food, free everything 24-7. It's party lifestyle. It's incredible. But this was like state-of-the-art, like, Modern, beautiful, pristine. And uh, in my dream, I was on the top level in like a uh, entertainment space. And I was in this room that was like a uh, 360 degrees panoramic view glass window uh, structure. It was beautiful. And it was nighttime. And I was looking out at the ocean. I'm like, this is beautiful. This is the life. And, And I felt safe. I felt I don't know, life was just perfect. And then on the horizon, I see something beginning to grow and rise and come for us. In my dream, this was like the most vivid dream I've had in a while, and, I'll, and then I realized, oh my gosh, it's a tidal wave, and I'm starting to panic, and um, what happens is the tidal wave gets us, and the cruise ship starts to rattle and shake and break apart, and it's emergency time. It's like we're all, we're all scrambling to get out of this cruise ship and onto the water into life rafts, and we're trying to save people, And um, but this is what I felt. I felt God speaking to me through this dream, and He's asking us this question, are you ready? Are you ready? There is a wave of God's presence that is coming that is going to blow apart every expectation you ever could have had about how he works. Right? Last decade was, I mean, 2019, as we were crossing over into 2020, I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't just a a new year. This is a new decade. And I was getting excited. I'm like, wow, I wonder what this decade... Like, I'll never imagine what could happen in this decade. Like, I couldn't... uh, There's no way I could possibly imagine what could take place in this decade. And I was thinking back to the previous decade. Um, The beginning... I was actually in high school for the first year of the last decade, right? And, And... and if I so, I started in high school, but that same decade, I started dating uh, my wife who then became my wife, my girlfriend who became my wife. Um, in that decade, we, uh, I studied a bunch of courses. I worked in all sorts of different places. I made new friends. People came to church. We moved church buildings like maybe four or five times. <laughs> like so much happened in this one decade, things I could never have imagined to happen. And and then this decade's we're turning into 2020, and I'm like, man, imagine what's in, what we're in store for this year. And then uh, February, March comes around, and uh, COVID comes uh, to Australia, and we get a bit of a taste of the new decade. <laughs> and and I'm like thinking, if this is any indication of the year to come or the decades to come, we got to get prepared. And I'm not trying to prophesy doom and gloom, but God uses what the enemy meant for evil to teach us, to bless us, to grow us, to do something in us. And I believe uh, God is using this season to mature the body of believers. There's, there's like a fresh paradigm, like what, what's going on right now? I mean, don't think, like, I, remember this, right? Jesus was the new wineskin that he spoke about okay? There's no new thing other than Jesus. Jesus is, is still the new thing. He's the beautiful, incredible thing, but He's eternal, and there's so much to learn in Him. There is so much to learn in Him. Um, but what I think could be holding us back is a spirit of religion, and I think God is breaking apart this spirit of religion that has been such a, uh, it's, been, it's been a safety barrier for us, I think the cruise ship, like we love the cruise, I love cruises, and I've only been on two, talking like I'm some cruisaholic, but, um, but the cruise was a comfortable place, and it was beautiful, and it was safe, and we knew our rhythm. We knew our, yeah, I think as a church, we've actually been very blessed in the past seasons to not own a building, because it's kind of kept us on the edge, constantly trying to think what's next, what's next. Anyway, <sighs> all right. The wave that's coming may wreck some things in the process, but demolition is necessary for removal, renewal, and revival. So I want to encourage us all this morning as we're hearing the word, invite God's demolition plan. Invite his demolition strategy to tear apart things that were never meant to be in you. Um, there's a song we've been, sharing, uh, we've been singing in church lately called Refiner. Uh, it's by... Maverick City, Maverick City. And uh, I always forget the lyric. Um, Sophia, are you in the room? How's it look? Does anyone remember the, what's that part? Yeah, you're the fire, uh, you're the fire, the refiner. I wanna be be tried by fire, purified. And um, I was joking around with my wife, Vanessa, the other day, and I'm like, if they ask me to sing, because this is a scary song, it's like a dangerous song. I wanna be tried by fire? Purified? Like I don't know what that's gonna mean for me on the other side of that story. And I said to Vanessa, I was laughing and and just and thinking about the song, and I just said, you know what? Next time they ask me to sing that song, I'm gonna sing. They wanna be tried by (laughs) fire. I'm not inviting it, Lord. You know, but they want it. They want the song. They want to sing it. Awesome. They can have it if that's what they want. But that's kind of like that's kind of how we are sometimes. Like we're so we're kind of a little bit reserved about what God wants to do and, and the fact that He wants to take us from glory to glory, strength to strength, but it might come, like there might be some demolition along the way to make room for renewal and, and uh, removal and revival and there's something He's got a plan for us. And and you think about uh, the Israelites were taken, like, I mean, I think it's a picture of being taken from glory to glory, strength to strength personally, um, but we we see that when, the Lord wanted to take his chosen people out of Egypt. He didn't tell them about the Red Sea that they would face in the next season. He just said, I'm taking you to the promised land. And they leave Egypt, and they're getting it, and they're thinking, wow, we've been set free. I never thought in a million years that Pharaoh would let us go. And then they come up against the Red Sea, and it's a brand new challenge. Another moment to surrender to the God of all creation, the Alpha, the Omega, the author, and the perfecter of our faith. What started in the spirit, don't try and complete in the flesh. And I think what sometimes has happened in the past is we've created this safety of what we can call religion. It's really just dead religion, because we'll talk about it in a moment. There is holy religion, I believe, and holy routine. But we, we create this routine that's like a, a safety, like a schedule for us to feel safe in, but it actually... Releases us from the responsibility of growing, and going through what's messy and daring, but also an opportunity for maturity. And so we're going to talk about that. And in Matthew chapter twenty-three, who knows that Jesus is the Lamb of God? He's beautiful. He's merciful. He's the Prince of Peace. He's he's beautiful. When I look at him, I picture the Jesus that's like he's so tender, and he's so beautiful. Um, but don't forget, he's also a lion. I struggle to picture him like this, but he is. He's got fire in his eyes, he's fierce, he's got power. He's, when, he, when he speaks, there's life. And, and in Matthew chapter 23, I think we get a glimpse into what it looks like to hear Jesus roaring as a lion. And uh, you don't see him often get too riled up. He's like, he's a man of grace. You know, he inspires me like with how, how much grace he has. Uh, but it seems the one thing that, Consistently, kind of triggers him or um, gets on his nerves is this religious spirit. Why? Because I believe a religious spirit robs people from relationship with God. All right, let's let's read Matthew chapter twenty-three, verse thirteen to twenty-eight. So, if you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter twenty-three, verse thirteen to twenty-eight. Or if you're writing notes, you can write Matthew chapter twenty-three, verse thirteen to twenty-eight. I say it that many times. Because um, for those with uh, old school Bibles, by the time you get to the book that we're trying to read from, you forget which chapter you're supposed to be looking for. And I'm always sitting there like, I've turned to the right chapter, uh, the right book, and I have no idea where this guy's reading from. So if you want to read with me, once again, Matthew, everybody say it with me, Matthew chapter 23, verse 13 to 28. Beautiful. And here it begins. You're hopeless. (laughs) What arrogant stupidity. You say if someone makes a promise with his fingers crossed, that's nothing. But if he swears with his hand on the Bible, that's serious. What ignorance? Does the leather on the Bible carry more weight than the skin of your hands? And what about this piece of trivia? If you shake hands on a promise, that's nothing. But if you raise your hand that God is your witness, that's somehow serious. What ridiculous hair splitting? What difference does it make whether you shake hands or raise hands? A promise is a promise. What difference does it make if you make your promise inside or outside the house of worship. A promise is a promise. God is present, watching and holding you to account regardless. This is Jesus speaking to the religious leaders of that day. And before we keep moving on, I just want to remind us, sometimes we look at the Pharisees of that day and uh, we try and think of, okay, so what's the modern equivalent? And we might point the finger and say, okay, it's the religious leaders of today. It's the pastors, that teaches the preachers. And, and I'll, I'll take that. Point the finger and I want to receive that because I want to be tried by, but let me remind you, we are living in a new era, the era of the priesthood of all believers, and you are that religious leader. You are, so point the finger and hear Jesus speaking to you this morning. If anything here resonates with you, receive it. And he continues, and he says, you're hopeless. You religion scholars and you Pharisees, you frauds, you keep meticulous account of accounts of books and tithing on every nickel and dime you get, but on the meat of God's law, things like fairness and compassion and commitment, the absolute basics, you carelessly take it or leave it. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the basics are required. Do you have any idea how silly you look writing a story that's wrong from start to finish, nitpicking over commas and semicolons? You're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees, you frauds. You burnish the surface of your cups and bowls so they sparkle in the sun. This is them sanitizing the outside of their cups and their bowls, um, while the inside is maggoty with your greed and gluttony. Stupid Pharisee, scour the insides, then the gleaming surface will mean something." You're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You're like the manicured grave plots with grass clipped and the flowers bright. But six feet down, it's all rotting bones and worm-eaten flesh. People look at you and think you're saints, but beneath the skin, you're total frauds. I've had it with you. You're hopeless, you religion scholars, you Pharisees, you frauds. Your lives are roadblocks to God's kingdom. You refuse to enter and you won't let anyone else in either. You're hopeless, you religion scholars, you Pharisees, you frauds. You go halfway around the world to make a convert. But once you get him, you make him into a replica of yourselves. Double damned. There's one thing that, I, that we can see gets Jesus' blood boiling real quick. And uh, it's false religion. It's false religion. They forgot that what they know as their faith tradition um, wasn't just... A book of laws, but it was actually, it started as a covenant between God and man. Started as a relationship between Yahweh and Abraham. Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, you may um, recognize it in this translation. He's, Jesus is saying, Word to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You were like whitewashed tombs. Everybody say, whitewashed tombs. So these tombs are polished on the outside. They look beautiful, and, uh, but on the inside, it's just death. Um, let 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 be a reminder today. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so the question this morning is this. When Jesus sees us, what does he see? You may be able to put up a whitewashed tomb around you, and maybe you can... Um, You know, put off that, the spectacle of looking like a religious, spiritual person for your friends, for your family. But uh, the reality is, God requires a people that worship Him in spirit and in truth, and God sees right through to your heart. And He's calling us to come undignified before Him. Is this speaking to you, (laughs) Akim? Come on, bro. Come on, mate. Let me tell you, let me let me let me let you in on a little secret. Has anyone, um, has, we have this, like, issue in the building, okay? We have this issue. Uh, we have yet to solve the issue. Has anyone ever smelt a funky smell walking into this auditorium? Okay, only a couple people. So, early people, the set-up team, and, I don't know, leaders or whatever. Uh, but here's the thing. If you, if you head over to the little media corner over there, I mean, either, either someone in that corner is consistently... Passing wind all day long, or I'm, I'm not sure. But you head to that corner, it, it just stinks. It stinks. And so, what has our solution been? If you head up into that corner, you'll see uh, probably four or five air fresheners just sitting there on the table, and we just spray the heck we just spray the heck out of it, and uh, to mask the smell. There it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So, and so we do that routinely. Everybody say routinely. We do it religiously. I already said religiously. We do it, and uh, it's like the quick fix. I think as humans, we prefer a quick fix. I believe religion's like a quick fix. Um, we want we want the formula the formula that is religion, um, and we we reject the uncertainty of relationship. You know the organic nature of relationship because it feels dangerous. Like, well, just give me the answer. Tell me what I have to do. Like people ask Jesus, "What what must I do to be saved?" And, um, and Jesus knew what was going on in their hearts, and he challenged them. But it's a quick fix. It's a quick fix. Quick fix. And um, so we use it to mask the smell. And I just think we love quick fixes as humans, unfortunately. Um, and you're in on this if you're a coffee lover, by the way. Who he had a coffee today? Hands up. All right. Why don't you join with those hands if you just love coffee in general? Hands up. Maybe you didn't get your coffee today. All right. We've got a good portion of the room uh, as coffee lovers, um, let's be real, right? We, I love dogs as much as the next guy, and I know some of you guys love cats, but dogs dogs pale in comparison as man's best friends next to coffee. Coffee is man's best friend. Can I get an amen? Do we have a living church this morning? I said, can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, coffee, we love coffee. We have this interesting possibly unhealthy relationship with coffee as humans. Um, It's like the only legal, unstigmatized, um, like, stimulant drug that we use culturally, and no one bats an eyelid, right? Um, This morning, there was no coffee available um, outside in, in, in our cafe, and so I was a little bit late to church. I left. I picked up a coffee because I knew I was preaching this morning. I'm like, I can't preach without my coffee, (laughs) which is terrible. But let me tell you something about coffee, right? We drink coffee because we think it gives us energy. Um, But the truth is, let me tell you a little bit about um, ourselves. When we're tired, we release a chemical called adenosine. Okay? So, adenosine, uh, when, we re- when the chemical is released, the adenosine chemical, um, what happens if we, we, is we have these adenosine receptors, um, and the adenosine comes and bonds with those receptors to tell you you're tired. Now, caffeine is a little sneaky. Caffeine comes in and it replicates uh, the, the, the molecular structure of adenosine and it bonds to the adenosine receptors. Blocking you from realizing just how dead inside you are, <laughs> and and I'm here to remi- uh, to let you know this morning that uh, this room is probably filled with a bunch of zombies, walking dead people, um, and and it's just become normal culture, and um. You know, maybe some of you guys are on, I, know, I assume Sal's on like three hours of sleep with a new baby. And uh, maybe some of you guys have had a terrible week at work or overdue assessments. But we're using coffee to trick our brains into thinking we're good. Uh, the Pharisees were doing that with religion. That's the truth. They were doing that with religion. They thought they could use religion as a mask to veil what was really going on inside their heart. But we know that God looks at the heart. And maybe sometimes um, we've used attending a church service. As something to prop us up as that good guy, you know? Maybe we've used, um, I don't know, you know, the routine of reading the Bible or speaking to other people about Jesus stuff um, as a mask, but God is after your heart. God is after your heart. And I think humans have an affair with religion, have had an affair with religion since the beginning. Um, And so I kind of want to talk about that this morning and we'll see what we get through. Uh, My question this morning is this. If there's a title, it's this. Are you masked by religion, or are you moved by relationship? There you go. Title of the sermon halfway through. (laughs) Um, So you probably heard the old adage, you know, Christianity is a relationship. It's not a religion, right? And so I'm I'm cool with that. I mean, sometimes it irks me because... You might, like, what if it, you know, what if it gives people a license to do away with religion? Let me tell you what I'm talking about when I say religion. Um, Religion isn't bad when it's holy religion. You know, Jesus said pure religion is looking after widows and orphans. You know, there's this, religion is like this um, routine of doing good, what you should do. So coming to the gathering, God has charged us to come to a gathering. God has called us to give. God has taught us to do a whole bunch of things. And it's routine. Communion. You know, I was hoping we could get uh, to communion this morning, but um, we didn't organize that. But anyway, we've got stuff. Let's we'll see what happens. Um, so religion and holy routine can be a healthy support. Everybody say support. Uh, it can be a healthy support to the relationship we have in God. But what's dangerous is when our religion replaces our relationship. Religion on its own is just a routine that will ruin you and leave you wrecked. Uh, people will use this routine as a mask to seem religious, but God sees right through it. So this morning, we're looking at religion versus relationship. We're looking at passive versus passion. We're looking at routine versus radical. We're looking at obligation versus obsession. Who? Man, let us never lose our obsession with Christ. we got to be obsessed. Let me tell you... Why why does God choose relationship over religion? It's because love is the best motivator you could ever find. Religion may push you to be something, but love pulls you. You're, You're hungry for it. You want more. You know, religion might press you with condemnation, but honestly, you end up falling and falling and falling. While love is then, and it's like the father and the prodigal son, when the prodigal son is still a far way off, all the father needs to see is the heart change of the son. He doesn't care how far he is. The father's going to run to the son and find him where he is. <sighs> Vanessa and I are hitting our three-year anniversary on Tuesday uh, of being married. Three years of being married, and uh, maybe that's not a massive achievement to most of you. It's still maybe, maybe you're thinking that's still the honeymoon phase, Leon. Uh, but you know how I know that my wife still loves me. She will not leave me alone. Kind of, kind of man, get a little bit of uh, alone time. No, when we're watching TV, she like. She she just she always needs pats like she just wants a pat on it on her back or on her shoulder or rub or whatever. When we're heading to bed, I have to cuddle her to sleep every single night. Um, I'm talking next level clingy. I'm sorry to expose that next level clingy. Secretly, okay, secretly I love it, and I feel ab- like it, it. makes me feel absolutely adored by my wife. Obviously, you know, I'm not telling you to stop. Where if you're listening, bub, I'm not telling you to stop. But here's the thing: I know she still loves me because she's so obsessed with me to the point that she won't let me not cuddle her to sleep. I don't don't get, and my question is, what's your relationship with Christ like lately? We should be so clingy to Christ, not because we're obligated, but because there's a real and authentic obsession. The thing about a relationship is that if you value it, you're going to nurture it. You know, religion acts more like a formula, but relationship requires attention and engagement and passion. And yeah, maybe it's filled with all sorts of unpredictabilities and swings and waves and stuff. But let me tell you, it's way more rewarding. You know, someone can break a contract. You can sign into a contract. You know, you can be a part of a... uh, More and more, I'm realizing how valuable relationships are. I was talking to one of my best mates this week about... um, both actually two best mates this week, about how valuable relationships are, you know. Um, your work, you know, it can be, t- I mean, you can be made redundant within a week, you know. Um, the, the the health you have, the, the money you make, all of that is like, it pales in comparison to the people in your life, right. The beautiful thing about marriage is that, you know, in 50, 60, 70 years from now, I would have done life with someone that knows me so intimately, and I can't, for for 70 years, I can't buy 70 years of someone's time. You know, there's something different about relationship. It's so much more. It's 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 very valuable. It's a lot of work. Let me tell you, people look at marriages and like, oh, I wanna, I wanna get married. I wanna get married. No, so I was putting it to the tune of the Refiner song. Um, because because it refines you, and. And and you look at it from afar, and you see people cuddling in church, and you see people holding hands on the street, and then they get home and they're arguing and they, you know yelling at each other and all this stuff. Because it's this refining of becoming one. God's put two people together to become one, and two completely different people, polar opposites, are clashing as they become one. You know. Um, so, do you want Jesus? You can, it doesn't have to be rhetorical. Do you want Jesus? Okay, maybe some of us. Question is, what are you doing about it? Matthew chapter 22, um, you know, uh, a Pharisee asks Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers him, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says this, all, everybody say all. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If there were any two commandments that you wanted to plaster onto the plaque of your heart, it would be to love God and love people. Why? Because love is fueled by passion and obsession, and love does not need to be told to express itself. It just does. Ah, I think a question we should ask ourselves is this. I think we should ask ourselves, has the chaos of COVID caught us out? Just take a look at your life and ask yourself, has the chaos of COVID this year caught me out? I believe it's causing some of us to consider the implications of our affair with the predictable. I believe we've developed a palette for the predictable. For some of us, predictability has become a crutch, and when that crutch falls out from beneath us, we fall down to our knees in shock. Um, I love Sunday services as much as the next guy. I I love coming to church on Sundays, and I'm I'm actually employed here at this church, and I was on annual leave only a couple weeks ago, and while I was on annual leave, I found myself just like really thinking, oh, my gosh, I need to, I need to plug into the, the, the Sunday service stream because I just can't miss it. I need that worship. And, and then I'm, I'm going to the gym and I'm, you know, wanting to do some prayer. But then I'm like, oh, I've got to listen to dad. There's no one that preaches quite like dad. Um, Dad's the senior pastor here. We don't call him dad. He's my dad. Um, but he's, he is... There's no one else that uh, preaches quite like him. And I just like, I need to listen to the word. Otherwise, you know, I just need to be fed. But um, I think it was actually a little bit of a wake-up call. Because I think uh, us using religion as a crutch, because there is religion in our life, right? And there is routine. There's holy routine. But uh, when it becomes a crutch, sometimes it slowly becomes a crutch and we don't even realize. And I think it took this time of leave for me to realize Like, I couldn't stay away. Um, And if the only time you're experiencing radical encounters is in church, then something has gone completely and utterly wrong. It was like a wake-up call. We can take um, Sunday services as a religious replacement for what is meant to be a whole lot more vibrant. And I believe some have developed a palette for the predictable. For some of us, predictability has become a crutch. Um, If, okay. If you came here this morning with a family member or a friend, I'm going to ask you to stand up to your feet right now. Stand up to your feet if you came here with a family member or a friend. Okay. I'm going to ask you to do something. So family member or a friend, if you came with a family member or a friend, stand up. Okay. I'm going to ask you to switch seats with some of those family members or friends that you came with. Try and keep this as COVID safe as possible. So... Find your friends, find your family, swap seats with them. If you've got three people, do like a musical chair thing. All right, swap, and then take a seat. Then take a seat. We're shaking things up a little bit. Do you remember pre-COVID when you had your seat in church? You remember pre-COVID, you had your seat? I used to sit there, and, you know, Sal would kind of sit there. And if someone sits in your seat, you're like... (coughs) Excuse me, out of my seat. And um, I think when things suddenly shift, often you can feel a little bit thrown off, right? Um, But I want to challenge us this morning to not let routine put you to sleep. You know, I'm talking to the people that have moved just in this moment. Do you feel a little bit like something's just shifted? Like all of a sudden you're, you're looking, you're, you're, you're receiving almost from a different perspective because you're sitting in a different seat. And uh, God uses the things that shake us up to see from a different perspective. And I think um, in these moments, all of a sudden our senses, our senses are heightened. You've left the flow state of what is normal. And I think God wants to disturb you a little bit in this season. These disturbances will cause us to come back to the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the only sure foundation. And maybe you're on a cruise ship. Maybe you felt in 2019, I mean, it's funny, when you're on Facebook and Instagram, everyone's like, could it get any worse? And then the next year comes on and we list all the terrible things that happened. It feels like more and more terrible things are happening every year. But um, whether the world's seems to be getting darker or not. There is one who promises us something that is secure and eternal and holy like nothing else. (sighs) Okay. Yeah. Another question to ask yourself this morning. I don't have any, like, this message was very different to how I usually prepare my messages. I actually have a formula for how I prepare my messages. I break them up into three or five points. I bring a scripture in and I pair it with an illustration, a story, a motif, and a quote. That's <laughs> literally what I do. I just expose myself. And um, I just, I kept trying to prepare for this Sunday. I was actually supposed to preach last week and uh, we got Cliff to preach instead. And and every, every, um. Every time I went to sit down and prepare this, it just wasn't working, and it's funny how in line that is with what the message that God's trying to bring this morning, and sometimes he needs to shake up what's routine and what's religion to draw us back into a place out of obligation and into obsession, out of routine and into a radical lifestyle for him, out of religion and back into relationship. The degree to which you are captivated by God will be the degree to which you follow and live for Him. All right. I got plenty more, but I actually don't even... You no, know, like, <clears throat> I can preach to the, to the... Do people say, to the cows come home? Thanks. What a weird expression. What does that mean? Where did the cows go? And what home are they coming back to? <laughs> um, but, like, we know... That the word and the letter, without the Spirit, it's just it's just death. You know, you can you can know all you want. You know, there are people that go to Bible college for intellectual purposes alone. Like there are, um, I forget, I don't even remember. It shows where I am on that spectrum. But I remember going to this Bible college thing, and and they were talking about the different the the, the spectrum, people that are on this spectrum of the purpose behind why they're in Bible college. And there are people that are like academics. There are people that are, you know, professors. There are people that are pastors and all this sort of stuff. And um, and so anyway, what am I saying? I can preach this forever, but um, like we were just singing before about this power that can break off every chain, the power's in your name. What does that mean? Well, the name of Jesus represents something. It represents a love Like this world has never seen before. You know, the Bible says we only know love because He first loved us. You know, it's like He places a value for us when we were valueless. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were worthless, He placed the worth on us. And if you've ever been broken, maybe you've never been broken. Maybe you've never felt unworthy, but if you felt unworthy or broken or just like you don't matter, for someone to come and tell you you matter and not just say it, but show it, Jesus laid his life down to trade places with you. He wanted to carry the penalty of your sin so that you could be the righteousness of God. You didn't deserve it, but he wanted to give it to you because he loves you that much. We only know love because He first loved us. And so when we, when we say there's power in your name, it's this name of Jesus. There's no other name. He's unique. He's holy. In all, all eternity, there is no one like Jesus. And so when we come to this revelation of who He is, when we fall desperately in love with Him again, with this fresh relationship, it's real, it's vivid, it's not religion and routine where you've, you've come to church and you've managed to play that, that, you know, it's like you've fallen in love with Him again. It'll call you to be all that he's called you to be. You'll find that it's a fruit and it's natural to be who he's called you to be. So, like I said, I can preach forever, but I want to invite us to stand. Why don't we stand. And um I'm going to invite the media team to cut the stream. It was also it was awesome um where's the camera? It's awesome having you guys with us today. It's awesome having you guys with us today. Um, don't forget, you can always register to join us here um, on a Sunday service. We love you so much. Goodbye. We do. We really do love you. We miss you. Please come back. Can't wait to have you soon. Awesome. We good? All right. Okay. So if you don't feel comfortable to do this, you don't have to, um, you know, I mean, it's, there's no religion here, um, and and God loves you all the same. But I just felt to invite us to do something just to break Maybe for some of you, it'll help you break routine and maybe expose a spirit of religion that has maybe held you back, you know, that maybe it's oppressed you or maybe your relationship with God has just grown stale. You know, something something about it, you've lost the passion. You look at it, you observe it and you're like, there's no passion here. I think there's a reason for that. The reason is we lose sight of who he is. We lose sight of the gospel. And I feel like, If you want to make it through, and I'm not prophesying doom and gloom, but if this COVID thing was any indicator of what could happen this decade, if you want to make it through seasons like this, let me tell you, you can't bank yourself on religion and routine. Relationship and love is the power that defeats the grave. Can we dim the lights, please? So what I'm going to do now is um, anyone here... Who wants to respond to this word that feels like a spirit of religion has oppressed them in the past. Or maybe that their relationship with Jesus has grown stale. Or maybe it's just you just want a fresh in feeling of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you, you want to be obsessed with Him again. You want to have a fresh revelation of who He is. You want, to, you want your eyes to be opened to His glory. I want to invite you to come down the front and we're going to have leaders pray for you and lay hands on you um, if you don't feel comfortable to do that that is so fine God is gonna bless you in your seats but I just want to create room I believe that sometimes it takes a physical uh, activation um, to shift something in our hearts kind of like when you moved seats this morning and so if this morning you want a fresh touch from Jesus I want to invite you to come down the front now and wait for anybody around you um, Yep, don't worry about the person next to you. Just just come down the front now and our leaders will begin to pray for you. Beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. We get to encounter your presence this morning. You've been listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com. Or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.